How many of you are so glad that God is on your side tonight? Amen. Amen. Would you lift your hands towards heaven? Let's pray. Father, we honor you. We glorify you. We thank you for this amazing day in your church today where so many people have already come and encountered your presence, your healing, your strength, your wisdom, your creative ideas and solutions. Lord, we thank you for the men and women that have served so that we can enjoy church today. All the people in the nursery and kids, our worship team, our greeters. God, I thank you that you are multiplying their time. I pray that this church is continuing to flourish and grow and multiply. I thank you that good things are happening in the name of Jesus. Father, we honor you and glorify you for the truth and the power of your word. We open up our hearts and our minds right here and we ask you to speak to us now. From your word, through your spirit, do what you wanna do in this service tonight. Let us leave here altered, changed. Let something shift in the atmosphere tonight. God, if we have any pride or arrogance or stubbornness that we've come in with, we lay that down at your feet tonight and we open up to you and we ask you to move in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, on the, hold on, hold, where, what are you doing? Hold on. I'm just kidding, you said it. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding, I was kidding. I'm just trying to get you to work out a little. No, I'm just, on the count of three, let's give God the biggest shout of praise, all right? One, two, three. Come on, sit down. All right, now you can sit down. <laughs> you know, us pastors, when we get invited to preach somewhere, we just come preach our best message. You know that's how it works, right? We're like, where's my best one? And then that's what we come preach. Um, I, I didn't do that. I went to the hotel, and I really felt in my spirit something else to preach. And I've never preached this. I did an outline during the break, and so I apologize now if it's not any good. So the other day someone said to me, oh, you know, um, I'm just deconstructing. And I was like, first of all, in my head, I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then um, like a day later, I was at this restaurant, I ordered a salad and they brought it and it was all in pieces. And I was like, what's this salad? And they said, oh, it's deconstructed. And I was like, oh, is that what that guy was talking <laughs> I didn't, I didn't quite understand. And um, I just, I really feel like the Holy Spirit laid this out to share with you tonight. And I'm just gonna go through it. It's called Peace Deconstructed. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter four, verse seven. Many of you will be able to quote this because it's a famous scripture. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses understanding, that's because it's the peace of God. It's not your peace, it's God's peace. And that doesn't mean that you can't understand how to find peace or maintain peace. It means that its effect on your life will in times be inexplicable. Yeah. 
It means that God can break through barriers in your heart and mind that nothing else can break through. It doesn't mean that you can't understand how to find peace. No, you can understand how to find peace. That's what I wrote the book about. God is actually not mysterious. He is very clear. What is mysterious is his supernatural power and effect that can do things that we cannot do. And there are times in life that we need to understand that as children of God, God is going to do things that we will not be able to explain how he did it. We will simply accept the fact that he did it. There will be miracles in your life. There will be breakthroughs in your life that you'll say to people, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but it happened. The Bible said God, says God can open doors no man can shut. He can close doors no man can open. My, my wife right now is the city attorney in El Paso. When she applied for that position, she was eighth in her office in seniority. She got the job. That is a parting of the Red Sea miracle that you cannot explain because every applicant was more qualified, yet she got the job. So what do I say? Yeah, that's, uh, that's just the peace of God that surpasses understanding, and I'm just going to be here and praise the Lord for it. Amen? Too often, people simply cannot find, or when they do find it, they do not maintain peace. Now, I've explained in this church a couple times that peace is far more than just tranquility for your heart and mind. The calling of God on your life is of peace. You can go read Colossians 3.15. The night Jesus was born, the angel declared peace over your life and goodwill toward men. So peace means tranquility for your heart and mind. It also means health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. God wants you to live healthy. He wants you to live well. He wants you to prosper for the right reasons. Please don't send me a your blasphemous DM. I'm not blaspheming. I'm telling you God wants you to prosper for his glory and to be a blessing in your community, okay? All right. And God is good. And he doeth good. God does not do bad. There, there are three forces in the universe. Let me explain this to you. The first one is God, and he is good. Not some of the time, all of the time. The second force is Satan, and he is bad. Not some of the time, all the time. Now, there's a force in between the two, and that's you and me. And sometimes we good, sometimes we bad. Sometimes we happy, sometimes we sad. Sometimes it, does, it just depends on the moment. But please don't believe that when bad things happen to you, that it is from God. God's behavior cannot contradict who he is. And God is good, and who he is decides what he does. 
People preach all the time that God does bad stuff to you to teach you a lesson or to test you, to try you. Except James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote, let no man say when they are tempted, tested, and tried that they are tempted, tested, and tried of God. For God is not capable of evil, and he does not tempt, test, or try any man. So if Jesus' brother says, let no man say, then we shall not say. God is good. Satan is bad. Yeah, then there's me and you. And what that says to me is that the quality of my choices will determine the quality of my life. Because I choose good or I choose bad, and I will reap the consequences thereof. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's keep going. Okay, so Luke 2, verse 14, says, peace and goodwill toward men. The word toward, when you study it out, it says toward and will remain in place for eternity. What that means is that nobody, including yourself, can remove this. Not Satan, not you, not your past, not your ex, not the government, not what someone wrote, not an opinion piece disguised as fact. No one can remove God's declaration over your life. And God has declared over your life health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. He has declared that you can have tranquility for your heart and mind. Amen? Amen. Let no one ever tell you, including your own thoughts, that you cannot live a life of peace, that you cannot live your best life, that you cannot go forward in spite of how dark your past was, that you cannot wake up and be happy, that you cannot think big, believe big, and live big because you serve a big God. Your best days are not behind you, they are in front of you. Amen? Okay, now, let's deconstruct this. Verse four. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. It's not what it says, is it? Rejoice in the Lord when you agree with everything happening in Washington. Rejoice in the Lord when gas prices are $2. I'm not sure we're ever getting back there. <laughs> no, no, no. What does it say? You can read it with me. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Always. And now, watch this. And again, I say what? Rejoice. Rejoice. Now, please understand, if you are ever reading your Bible and God repeats himself, please know that he's trying to make a point. He's trying. He's just like you with your kids. Hey, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoicing in God's goodness is what the tone of our souls should be. Our souls, our heart, and our mind 
should be trained to rejoice in the Lord. But the truth is, we tend to only rejoice when we are getting what we want. Or when we're told to rejoice on Thanksgiving, on Easter. You know how easy it is to preach on Easter? Everybody shows up rejoicing. People are like, you get nervous on Easter? I'm like, nervous on Easter? Man, that's like a, a, putting the ball on the t-ball thing and saying, hit the ball. It's so easy. It's that random Sunday in July when everybody's on vacation. See, the tone of our souls need to be trained to rejoice. Now, let me say this. We have become so entitled that we have actually trained ourselves to complain. So we complain ourselves into added burden, anxiety, and stress. Can I tell you the truth? Salvation alone is enough for us to rejoice in the Lord always. That alone. If God only involved himself to save us and take us to heaven, that is enough to get down on our knees every day and glorify God. But God doesn't stop at enough. He's not the God of enough. He's the God of more than enough. All right, I have to keep going. Can you tell I can stick on all of these for like 40 minutes? I promise I'll get you out of here by midnight. Okay, I have nowhere to go except for the airport tomorrow at 10, so. So. This is why the enemy tries to poison our souls. This is why the world system bombards us with negativity, with cynicism, with disappointment, with division, with anger. You are being told to hate this person, to not like this person, to cancel this person to say no to this, to, you're, you're being told to be angry, to be cynical. You're being told that you should wake up and be disappointed. We're being conditioned to go along with this. But the condition of a healthy soul is a rejoicing soul. And it's too easy to fall into the other trap because there's a lot to complain about. There's a lot to be angry about. There's a lot to be frustrated about. I mean, you go to the gas tank now, you don't even want to look, right? It's like, just tell me when it's over. Okay, Philippians four, verse six. In the New King James, I'm gonna read it and then we're gonna put it up in the message translation. It says, be anxious for nothing. God, I used to not like that scripture. It's like, be anxious for nothing? How's that even possible? And then I'd get anxiety about not being able to live up to God's word. I'd be like, seriously, God? Like, Anytime the word of God frustrates you, you need to understand that you are not understanding it properly. 
It's not God, it's you. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, here we go, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now I'm going to put it up in the Message Bible, because for a lot of modern day English speakers, we have no clue what those words just said. What is supplication? Like, do you ever, do you ever go to work and you're like, how was your night? You know, I was just supplicating. All right, we can put it up here. It says, don't fret. <laughs> okay, don't fret or worry. Listen to me. Anxiety and worry and stress will never go away, but they can be replaced. Instead of worry, pray. Let your petitions, oh, and here we go, and your praises. Shape your worries into prayer, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So if you want to deconstruct this whole thing, when you feel anxious, when worry comes into your life, when you are stressed, that should tell you, let me say it like this, anxiety is an emotional trigger to tell you to turn to God. But the truth is, we've been taught that anxiety is an emotional trigger to panic, to worry, to stress, to freak out, when instead, it's a trigger that tells us it's time to pray. It's time to get our perspective in the right place and start to praise God. Now, this is hard. It's not easy. Because the last thing you want to do when anxiety comes, when you're stressed out, when you're overburdened, is get down on your knees before the Lord and pray. We want to post about it. We want to complain about it. We want to let our minds run wild. The whole world's against me. Everybody's talking about me. I can't believe what she... I walked by Donna from accounting, and she looked at me. Were they talking? I just know she... Why does she hate me? The truth is she was talking about the salad she ate. Come on, talk to me. We all been there and we've all done that. Amen? Amen. What I love about this is that it says, let your petitions and praises shape your prayers. You know, a lot of Christians don't pray because they think they have to have a beautiful oration. They think they've got to be able to pray like Jabin prays. They think they've got to be able to pull out some T.D. Jake's and make it rhyme and get chills down your arms. And you got to quote 47 scriptures for it to qualify. I'll tell you this, religion has robbed us of the impact of prayer. Prayer is not meant to be mundane. It's not meant to be vain repetition. It is not punishment. 
Prayer is an opportunity for you to go boldly to God, to pour out your worries, your petitions. It's an opportunity to praise him, which allows you to get your mind in the right perspective. It reminds you that God is in control. It is an opportunity, the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Prayer is your 24-7, 365 opportunity to encounter the presence of God on demand. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. And of course, we twist that too. So you got to pray all day. You got to pray eight hours. I'm not sure I've prayed eight hours in a day in my life. But what I will tell you is I pray all day. And the longest prayer sometimes might be 30 seconds. I've driven by car accidents before and I'm like, God, I don't know what happened, but you do. I pray those people are healed in Jesus' name. That's it. Like, I'm walking into meetings. God, I need wisdom in this meeting. That it, Jared? Yeah, that's it. Let my uh, petition shape my prayer. I'm not complicating this. I'm not smart enough to complicate it. I don't know how people made this all so complicated. It's, like, it's real easy. Like, let your concerns shape your prayer. Okay. Hey, God, I need help. Can you help me? And then it says, and I love this, and your praises. I will tell you that I never pray without praising. Let me explain it to you, and let me show you the power behind this. Psalms 8, verse 1 through 2. Are you glad you came to church? Yes. Thank you for saying yes. It says, how excellent is your name in all the earth who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may still the avenger and silence the enemy. That's a beautiful scripture, right? Remember the word strength. Matthew 21, verse 16, Jesus speaking. He quotes this scripture, except he replaces the word strength with the word praise. You have... See it there? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. So let's read it again. You have ordained praise because of your enemies that you may still the avenger and quiet the enemy. Psalms 22, verse 3. God inhabits the praises of his people. Scripture shows us that in the presence of God, there is a fullness of love and joy and peace. And we just found out how to be in the presence of God. You are in the presence of God the moment you start praising God. Now let me tell you this, you do not need a band to praise God. All you need is your lips. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Your breath was given to you to praise God with it. It was not given to you to complain, to whine, to feel sorry for yourself, and to add to the negativity of the world. The, the God sitting in, in heaven gave you your breath to praise him. But hear me. 
God doesn't need your praise. God is not in heaven needing your compliments. He's not like us. He's not insecure. He doesn't need to be reminded how powerful he is. He knows. What you need is to encounter his presence. And when you begin to praise God, God inhabits your praises to still the avenger and quiet the enemy. And, hear me, to bring strength into your life. The reason Jesus replaced the word strength with the word praise is because it's the same word. And the word praise in the literal Hebrew means to be strengthened from the inside out. That's why when you're praising God during praise and worship, you feel so good. I bet you every single one of you has experienced this right here in this room. You walked in here and you have been burdened. You have been confused. You may have been even suicidal. You may have been physically worn out. And this band gets up here and they start singing, it's your breath in my lungs. So I pour out my praise and all of a sudden your confusion turns to clarity. Your burden turns to freedom. Your anxiety turns to hope. I've had times where I've been in church physically exhausted and during worship I find myself bouncing and energy is flowing through my body. And that is what happens when you begin to praise God. You get strengthened mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. Whatever weakness you have in your life at that time, when you lift up your voice and praise God, His power comes into your life. His presence comes into your life. And let me remind you, where his presence is, the presence of the enemy cannot be. They cannot occupy the same space. Where the presence of God is, the presence of Satan cannot be. So when you lift your voice and you praise God, you are inviting God into your heart and mind. And in that moment, the peace of God comes into your soul. But hear me, you can do this on a Tuesday in your car. God, I praise you. You don't need a band. You don't need a drummer. You don't need this guy that can play six keyboards. All you need is your voice. God, I praise you for this job. God, I praise you for my family. God, I praise you for this house you've given us. I praise you for my health. I praise you, God, that you are more than enough. God, I praise you for my salvation. God, I praise you for my forgiveness. God, I don't know what's happening, but I praise you that you know. God, I don't know the way, but I praise you that you are the way. God, I'm confused right now, but I praise you that you're the truth. God, I don't know what's going on, but you are my life. You are the life that satisfies. You give me a peace-filled life, so I praise you, Jesus. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. 
Sometimes I don't even know what to pray. I just say, God, I praise you that you know. I praise you, Jesus. Sometimes I literally will sing that song to myself. And I'm a horrible singer. <laughs> but I'll just sit there just so my spirit can hear it. Yes. It's your breath in our lungs. So I pour out my praise. I pour out my praise. It's your breath in my lungs. So I pour out my praise to you always. And I don't know the little signals. You know how they all like. It's like, I don't know all that. I just tell myself, Jared, do it again. I'm like, yeah, do it again. That's it. But you know what happens? My thoughts start to come back to me. My heart begins to settle down. There's times I, I naturally, I get really angry. Like by nature, I'm a hothead. I control it, but I am. I'm just telling you the truth. Like I, I just have a temper. I never lose it, but I mean, it's, I'll say it all in my head. <laughs> but I'll feel that just begin to break off of me. I'll calm down. All the exaggerations of the negativity and the disappointment, it all begin to settle back down. And what's happening? All of that is from the enemy. And when I praise God, he comes in. And that cannot stay. I have ordained praise to still the avenger and quiet the enemy. Okay, one more thing. Can I have 10 more minutes? Is that cool? Okay, all right. We'll see if it's 10. No. Mark 11. Mm, famous scripture tonight. It says, have faith in God. Verse 22, have faith in God. Have faith where? Have faith where? Have faith where? In God. In the literal text, it says, have the God kind of faith. And you're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Except that God said that the moment you made Jesus Lord of your life, that he gave you his measure of faith. Romans 12, verse 3. God has given you his faith, not your faith, his faith. The only time your faith existed was when you chose to believe in Jesus. From that moment forward, you have been functioning on his faith. The Bible also says in Romans 8 verse 11 that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. Why? Because it's the faith of God. The faith of God raised Jesus from the dead and you have been given his faith. You'll hear people say all the time, I need more faith. You don't need more faith. You have all the faith you'll ever need. What you need is understanding of what God can do in your life. Faith comes by hearing and understanding the word of God. You have all the faith you'll ever need. What you need to know is where to point your faith. Yes. Amen. It says, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, a mountain is anything that is standing be between you and the fulfillment of God's promise in your life. There's external mountains and there's internal ones. But it's anything that is standing between you and the promise of God in your life. And let's remember that all God's promises are yes and amen. Yeah. 
So any mountain is sent by Satan or of your own creation to stop you from realizing God's potential for your life. Okay, now watch. I love this. It says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. I mean, has anybody ever read this just like the Philippians 4 verse 5 one, the be anxious for nothing and been like, are you serious, God? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder like if people han can handle my honesty. I'm like, I'm so honest. But like I used to read this and be like, what do you mean not, don't doubt? It's a mountain. Of course I'm doubting. <laughs> right? Have you ever read this and be like, I can't do this. But again, we've got to study. Let me show you all this. The word doubt does not mean to have a question mark in your head. It does not mean that you have, don't have insecurities. The word doubt means to withdraw. So what he says is, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not withdraw his faith, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have it. Then he goes on to say in verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That word believe in verse 24 is a present progressive word. That means that it is active in your present and active in your future. So in the literal text, it should read like this. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, go on believing that you receive it and you will have it. What God is saying to you tonight is that whatever mountain it is in your life, keep on believing that the mountain will be removed. Whatever you do, City Light, don't withdraw your believing. Don't withdraw your speaking. Don't withdraw your praying. Don't withdraw your lips of praise. Go on believing. How long do I believe? Until the mountain is removed. How many prayers do I pray? Until you get the answer. How many times do I ask until he responds? Good. Good. But whatever you do, don't withdraw. Satan knows he cannot defeat you. He knows he cannot overcome you. He knows he has no power over your life. So he simply tries to wear you down. And if he can wear you down with the anxiety, with the darkness, with the stress, he'll try to talk you into quitting. And that is the only way he can defeat you. So Jesus tells us, hey, you have my faith. Yes, there's gonna be mountains, but you speak to those mountains. And some mountains will be removed in a week. Some mountains will be removed in three months. There's some mountains that it might take a few years. Tell you the truth, 
Some of you built mountains for 40 years of your life, and it might take a couple years for God to deconstruct that mountain. But it's in the waiting that the devil tries to play with your mind. And that's why it is so important to pray and then to praise God. And whatever you do, church, don't quit. Don't give up on your life. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your church. Don't give up on speaking to the mountains. Don't give up on your praying. No matter how long it takes, no matter how many tears you have to cry, no matter how many times you have to get on your knees, no matter how many daily devotionals you have to read, no matter how many services you have to come to, whatever you do, don't quit. If you quit, you lose. And sometimes, church, you just got to take one more step in life. Sometimes you just got to make it through one more day. Sometimes you've just got to pray one more prayer. Sometimes you've just got to correct your heart one more time and the answer comes. But whatever you do, don't quit. Don't give up on God's word. Don't give up on his promise. Don't let the devil turn your soul into darkness. Keep believing. Keep speaking. Keep walking by faith. Keep praising God. Keep honoring him. Ask yourself this anytime you want to quit. Will my life get better if I quit? No, it won't. It won't get better. So whatever you do, you go on believing that you can be free, that you can have peace, that you can be strong, that your dreams can come true, that God can do exceedingly abundantly above anything you've ever asked, hoped, or desired, that you can overcome that alcohol, that you can overcome the drug, that you can overcome the pain. You go on believing that you can be happy again. You go on believing that God can help you financially. You go on believing that you're gonna sleep at night. You go on believing that you're not gonna be bound to depression. You go on believing that anxiety is not gonna rule you anymore. You go on believing. One more prayer, one more praise, one more invitation into his presence. But whatever you do, don't, Quit.